This is Tiger Hall. It takes time to process all these different perspectives, and people want to be respectful and say, "Okay, thanks." For your contribution, but quietly in their mind, they're thinking this is taking forever. We just need to make a decision and move on, and that's the challenge: is how do you be inclusive while also moving quickly and being decisive? You want to be inclusive, of course you do. But if you were being really honest about it, you might say that. Focusing on inclusion sometimes oh, slows things down. Look, if this has crossed your mind, then this conversation is for you. We're speaking to Rob Beer about the problem with inclusivity, and don't worry, we're not going to be promoting homogenous teams or anything like that. If you don't know who Rob is, then you should. Here is a breakdown. Rob's expertise is in coaching entrepreneurs and CEOs, and in building high-performance teams and organizations. Many of Rob's clients have achieved unicorn status while he's been working for them, and he's coached senior leaders at firms such as Goldman Sachs, Apple, and Procter and Gamble. If you happen to have spent time in Southeast Asia, then you may be familiar with Money Smart, which is the region's leading online financial comparison site. Rob just happens to be co-founder and non-executive chairman. He also has a book coming out soon, "Blowing Up: Sixteen Friction-Fighting Rituals to Support Smooth Scaling," which he wrote for CEOs, COOs, and other senior leaders in rapid growth companies. I've spoken to a lot of people about inclusivity over the past few years, and Rob probably has the most practical take I've ever heard. So let's dive in. Here's our conversation. Okay, Rob. There's a lot of talk about the need for inclusivity, but why is this actually harder than you might think for leaders? So I think we need a definition. To me, inclusivity is not just about the kind of classic, I would say, quite U.S.-centric definition of diversity inclusion, which tends to think about race, gender, sexual identity. What I would say is. Those are all, of course, tremendously important. But in an organization, there are many people who may struggle to find their voice, to have their voice fully heard, and that could be because of race or gender or other identity. But it could just be that they were brought up in a different culture where people are not trained to speak up as much. As I live in Asia, that's quite common. Or it could be that the organization they work in is English speaking, and they're not a native English speaker, and so they don't have the same confidence. Or it could be that they're an introvert, or that they're relatively junior and they don't feel it's their right. In short, there are many, many, many reasons why people may find it difficult to have their voice heard. And to me, the definition—a good working definition of inclusivity—is that everybody's voice is heard on those topics where they have something to contribute and where their voice. Needs to be heard, so I think a lot of leaders recognize that this is a valuable thing and an important thing, not just because it's politically correct, but because they want to harness the contribution that those people can make. Of course, they may have unconscious biases. That's not my area of expertise, but as they start to build a more inclusive dialogue, a more inclusive management process, very often what happens is things slow down. Because it takes time to get all those voices and to process all these different perspectives, and people want to be respectful and say, "Okay, thanks 
for your contribution, Pippa, but that's irrelevant. So we can ignore that, right? They want to acknowledge the contributions and all the different perspectives. But quietly in their mind, they're thinking, this is taking forever. We just need to make a decision and move on. And that's the essential challenge is how do you be inclusive while also moving quickly and being decisive? Do you think we can have both? I think we can. That's the good news. I absolutely think we can. But I think it takes practice and it takes some new skills. And in particular, it takes new skills on the part of the leader, but also new skills on the part of the participants. I'll give you just a very simple example. Maybe I'm cutting to the chase too quickly here. But very often when I run workshops and I'm encouraging all voices to be heard, there's a moment where you think, gosh, we have really heard a lot of different perspectives. I feel like we're bogging down. We need to kind of move the ball forward, right? We need to draw this conversation to some sort of conclusion, but I don't want to force it. I don't want to be the guy who's kind of jamming stuff down people's throat because then we're losing the inclusiveness. And so I'll role model two different ways of doing this. And this could be as the team leader, or it could be just anybody in the room, but most commonly it's the leader, the not so good version. Hey guys, thank you all for your contribution. That was really great. I think we've heard a lot of different perspectives. I feel we now need to move towards some kind of decision. And to me, it's very clear that what we ought to do is X. What do you guys think? Does that sound right? Now that's not terrible, but if somebody doesn't think X is right, are they really going to feel comfortable disagreeing And will that feel a little bit like maybe that whole consultation process was a bit of a Potemkin village and this guy always knew or this woman always knew what they wanted to do and now we're just kind of being presented with a fait accompli? And if we just change the way that person might speak a little bit, it might sound like this. Uh, Team, thanks all for your contributions. Feels like we've heard a lot of interesting inputs and perspectives. I think we now need to draw this to some kind of conclusion. I'd like to propose a possible conclusion and then hear from you whether you think that is directionally correct, completely wrong, or ready to go. So my proposal is X. And what do you guys think? Let's go around the room. Pippa, maybe you have a view. What do you think? Is that in the right direction or not? And so you're making it much easier for people to disagree. At the same time, you are putting a clear proposition forward to which people can agree. Mm. And if you've done a good job, and if there is a general consensus, then you'll hear that and you can move towards a decision quite quickly. Sounds so easy when you say it. (laughs) It's not difficult. It's a subtle skill. And it's really the art of facilitation. And I think that good leaders are naturally often very good facilitators, but not all are equally good. And that process of bringing out the voices, of saying, hey, Pippa, we haven't heard from you. What are your thoughts on this topic? You come from a particular function or perspective or experience. We'd love to hear what you think. So that's the bringing out, that's the inclusiveness and giving people space and making them feel safe to say whatever it is they want to say. And then the decisiveness is that we've heard all these voices. We need to bring this to some sort of conclusion. doesn't always have to be the leader who has the proposal. They might ask for a proposal. Is anybody ready to suggest how we bring this to a close? What's the right answer? What do we, how do we move forward on this? 
and then to just balance those two things. So I think they're very learnable skills. Hey, sorry to so rudely interrupt my own conversation, but I just wanted to let you know that this is a Tiger Hall podcast. Tiger Hall is the world's leading social learning platform, and we have hundreds of interviews just like this with amazing senior business leaders from around the world. These can all be accessed via the Tiger Hall app, which is free to download. You get free content every month and new stuff is uploaded every workday. I hope to see you there. So is the primary skill needed to combine inclusivity with speed, one of communication and facilitation? Is that the most important thing? I think it is. And I think a professional facilitator does that kind of in their sleep, right? I think of meetings, they have a diverging process and a converging process, right? We start with a question or a problem at hand. The divergent process is let's hear all the different perspectives, right? And then we need to converge. What are we going to do? How are we going to move forward? What is the decision or the action? And so facilitators manage that process in a given time slot, one hour, two hours, 30 minutes, whatever it might be, sort of quite naturally. Team leaders sometimes get stuck in the diverging, like we've got so many points of view that we didn't leave enough time to bring it to a close, or they bring it to a close in a way that feels too abrupt, or as I said earlier, maybe makes that inclusive portion feel like it was not completely genuine. So for people listening who are like, brilliant, I've got my new idea for my next meeting, I know how to facilitate. Are there any things that can go wrong, any potential pitfalls that people could come across when trying to facilitate like this? Well, what we haven't talked about is when everybody's shared their perspective and those perspectives are at odds with each other. You know, you think that the right answer is blue and I think it's green, right? Mm-hmm. And so there is the issue of, again, I use the word conflict differently than some people do. To me, it's simply anytime people have views that are not aligned, which is more or less always. And so we need to have very good conflict resolution skills. And the essence of those is asking good questions. Oh, why do you think it's blue? What did you base that on? What is the data? What is the logic? Help us to understand how you arrived at that conclusion really interesting. Now, someone else, you thought the answer was green. Help us understand why you thought that. Did what Pippa just say influence your thinking at all? How can we bring these two logic trains into more alignment? So there are other skills involved, and I think that conflict management skill is the most important one to help people articulate why they think what they think and to test that thinking in a rigorous way and to see if there aren't ways of combining different people's thinking for a one plus one equals three. And so one of the other core skills is to shift from what I call or thinking to and thinking. So or thinking is either Pippa's right and the answer is blue, or Rob is right and the answer is green. And thinking is there's something about Pippa's logic which we need to take account of, and there's something about Rob's point of view which we probably need to take account of. So how do we satisfy both? Right. And it may be that it's neither blue nor green. There's a different solution, which is responsive to multiple perspectives. So they're all really facilitator skills. And as I said, many leaders have them and others not so much. They're highly learnable and they're essential if you want to have an organization that is both decisive and inclusive. 
So you mentioned earlier that leaders need to learn new skills, I and mean, we've covered this quite well. You also mentioned that the participants and the teams need to learn new skills. What should we be training people in? Listening is a good start. <laughs> Asking questions rather than always responding. So when you say it's blue, instead of saying, of course, it's not blue, it's green, saying, oh, well, why do you think it's blue? And help me understand. And here's why I thought it was green. And how does that sit relative to what you're saying? So learning to ask more questions, kind of the oldest thing in the world, seek to understand before making yourself understood. It's a very good edict. Also learning to make your own thinking more explicit. So rather than just saying, guys, it's green, it's obvious it's green, anytime you hear the word it's obvious, you know that it's not, right? <laughs> it, instead, it should be, let me explain to you how I arrived at my conclusion. Feel free to ask questions, feel free to challenge my data or my logic, right? Let me make my thinking more explicit. And then you tell me where I went wrong, or if you think it makes sense, then maybe that's right. So one of the skills that everybody needs to learn is what we call effective advocacy, laying out your logic in a clear way and making it easy and open to being challenged, tested, and queried. And the other is high-quality inquiry, asking those questions. And there are essentially two types of questions that people can learn. I actually used to carry around a little card with these questions on two sides of a business card. Deepening questions, which are, why do you think what you think? What data, what information, what logic? How did you arrive? What problem were you trying to solve? Just trying to understand somebody else's perspective. And broadening questions. How do other people see it? What other solutions might there be? What other information might we bring to bear on this problem? And so learning to master both broadening and deepening questions and knowing when and how to use them is another great skill for everybody to learn. We hear a lot about this term psychological safety. How does this fit into this? So first, Going back to my definition of inclusivity and my view that in any group, in any organization, there are some voices that may struggle to be heard, right? Mm. What feels safe to you may not feel safe to me and vice versa because of those differences, right? Cultural differences, all the things we've spoken about. And so psychological safety is achieved when everyone in the room feels safe to speak their mind openly, not just the leader or the most confident or the most senior. So first, it's very important to understand that psychological safety really is a group phenomenon. It has to apply to everybody. And so that is the minimum condition in order for people to be able to speak their minds. The second thing I would say is, if you think about the many, many meetings we've all gone to where something comes up and maybe it's a bit awkward and somebody says, well, we'll take that offline, shall we? Right? You know, you've just stepped on something that's a little bit psychologically unsafe. Mm. And pretty much by definition, if we're going to take it offline, we're not going to deal with it in an inclusive way. Because if it's, if I say, Pippa, you and I will take that offline, then whoever else is in the room with us is like, well, what about me? You know, do, do I not have any say in this? And essentially the problem can be boiled down to this. We can't solve problems if we can't talk about them. And we can't talk about them if we can't name them. And so, for me, the very practical meaning of psychological safety is that everybody feels safe to name the issues and problems that we need to talk about and 
to then share their views. So this is essentially the opposite of the classic elephant in the room, the sorts of topics which people struggle to talk about because they're deemed to be somehow too sensitive or too risky. So psychological safety is a state where there are as few of those topics as possible and where everybody feels comfortable to say what they need to say. Mm. And it is essential if you're going to have an inclusive process. It's not essential to the decisive piece, but it's essential to the inclusive piece. Rob, I really love your perspective on this. I think it's super interesting. So thank you for sharing. Just a final question on this for leaders who are listening and thinking... I get it, like I want to be inclusive, but also it's slowing us down. Could you just give some quick action steps to go into the office tomorrow and make everything better? Sure. The first is share the problem. It's a dilemma. It's a genuine dilemma. So go to your team and say, guys, I really want us to make our decisions inclusively. I want to hear all voices, but we have limited time. So help me work with me. Try to be concise. If I try to draw us to a conclusion and you think it's too early, Fine, say so. But if you think we're just kind of talking on and on and and we're ready, make that bold move. Tell us that we're ready to draw the conversation to a close. So I would say share the problem, share the dilemma, and get everybody involved in managing that balance between decisiveness and inclusiveness. I have a two-by-two framework that I like, and I often put it up on the wall. One axis is productivity, right? Productivity is, are we making good progress on our most important issues? Are we harnessing the collective intelligence of the people in the room? The other axis I call positivity. And positivity is essentially, how does it feel for you? Do you feel your voice is being heard? Do you feel psychologically safe? Do you feel you're able to contribute? Are the behaviors respectful and appropriate? And so it's essentially that decisiveness and inclusivity slightly recast. And so I actually ask people, we draw a little quadrant, right? One to four and A to D. And I say, okay, we've just been talking about this big issue for the last 45 minutes. How has this conversation been for you? And people will say 3C, 4D, 2B. And you can then say, oh, so it felt not very decisive for you, not very productive. Why? What would have made it better? For somebody else, they might say, no, it was good. And so you have to have a way of measuring, are we decisive and are we inclusive? And then using that feedback loop to improve, to say, okay, it seems like that meeting was pretty good, but could have gone faster. Is that how most people see it? Yes. Okay. So next time, let's just be a little more to the point, a little more concise, move a little quicker without losing that inclusiveness element. So it's element. So it's really a self-coaching process, but you need the data in order to improve. So you need to measure your meetings. Super interesting, Rob. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to a Tiger Hall podcast. Quick favor. If you like this content, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new upload from us. And of course, if you're hungry for more, and why wouldn't you be, don't forget to download the Tiger Hall app for hundreds more just like this.